It is much awaited, and it is finally here. The three days of the big, big shoe. And we'll go to our location at Main Street Husker Harvest Days. Joe Gangwish. Well, thank you very much, Dirk. We are live from Husker Harvest Days, the Rural Radio Network Broadcast Center, as you can hear by the chatter in the background. We've got some folks in the building, folks out in the street. Susan Littlefield is here with me for the roundtable. Susan, filled up nicely today, didn't it? It is amazing. There's folks I've talked to that have said this is probably the busiest first day they've seen in 10 years at Husker Harvest Days. That gives you an idea of the crowd that's here, the optimism that's here, and, and folks are enjoying themselves. That's good. It's great weather. It was gorgeous this morning. Warming up now, but you can stop and get some water here in the building. Daly Peters just joining us now. She was out catching some interviews. A busy day. I was, and uh, there is a great crowd here today. We haven't hit anybody with our golf carts yet, so that's a bonus. Um, yeah, absolutely beautiful out here for the first day of Husker Harvest Days. Very much looking forward to our first day here reporting live. Everything's going great. We better go through our order that we have. Coming up at 1213, Stacy Agnew with the uh, FFA Foundation in Nebraska. They're having their tire auction again this year. She'll preview that at 1213. And then at 12.5 in the Newsmaker segment, we always like to visit with Nebraska bankers every year at Husker Harvest Days. They'll be with us at that time. And we'll have somebody from the Nebraska Soybean Board with us here at 117. So we are live here at the Rural Radio Network Broadcast Center, West Main Street at Husker Harvest Days. Let's send it back to the studios. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Joe. And uh, the whole team has turned out there, and we invite you to drop by the uh, radio studios at Husker Harvest Days and meet us, jabber a little bit, grab that water, grab that coffee. We've got lots of information for you as well. Speaking of information, let's go to it sports-wise with Jason Jorgensen. Nebraska head coach Mike Riley has gotten a year added to his contract. Uh, The Omaha World Herald has found out about that. Sounds like he will be paid... Same amount he was, $2.9 million. Just a little. Just a little. Coach Riley spoke about the Husker running backs yesterday. Trey Bryant, who's been pretty good for the Huskers in the first two games, he has got a sore knee. They do not know what his status will be for Saturday's game, so they've already announced that they will burn the red shirt of freshman Jalen Bradley. We'll talk more about that. Also in football last night, Broncos made it a little tighter than it probably needed to be, but they were able to hold off the Chargers. Still doesn't sound right to say (laughs) L.A. Chargers. No, it doesn't. Nor does it sound right to say, you know, Monday night football when it's on Thursday and all that, that whole mess. I just don't get it. Good point. Uh, There were two games last night. Denver won the second one. Minnesota looked good in the first one, taking care of the Saints. And you know who's looked good, and we've talked about this for several days, (laughs) Cleveland Indians go for win number 20 in a row tonight. No kidding. They should maybe save some of those for next month when the playoffs starts, but I need them. you know, who would be it for me to stand in the way of history? Jason, thanks very much. Bob Brogan on business. U.S. stocks are continuing to rise as banks move higher along with bond yields. Chemical companies Dow DuPont is up 1.9% today after it made changes to its breakup plans. Also, kind of interesting, uh, three Democrats are joining the tax talk with President Trump. They're going to be talking about tax reform today and having dinner with uh, President Trump. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, everybody. And lots of feature information coming your way from Husker Harvest Days on today's Midday.
Bring it, Paul Perkins here, and we have our Midwest Ag Weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. And it looks like uh, it's going to be warmer and warmer in the next couple of days. Yeah, warm today, even warmer tomorrow and Thursday, and also probably the wind's gradually kicking in a little bit more as we move into the next few days. If you are headed to Husker Harvest Days right now, 77. If you're headed to Husker Harvest Days, most of us right now with temperatures in the upper 70s to low 80s. The cool spot, actually, at North Platte at 75. 75. We are at 84 currently in the Sydney area in the southern portion of the Panhandle. Unseasonably warm for today with some south winds and sunshine. We're in between high pressure to our east and low pressure trough over the high plains. A few thunderstorms today may develop late in the afternoon and evening across western Nebraska and northeast Colorado as the disturbance moves through that trough of low pressure that's just off to west. It's very questionable, though, whether we will see those thunderstorms hold together as they do track towards east. Tomorrow and Thursday look to be even warmer, also probably a little bit more wind, mainly dry underneath that dome of high pressure. South winds tomorrow stronger on into Thursday as that area of low pressure continues to strengthen off to the west and gets closer. The ridge flattens some for late on Thursday for a small chance of some thunderstorms. A few of those could be severe with some hail. Low pressure will track from the Rockies into the Dakotas for the weekend. That'll swing a cold front through our region for a spotty chance of some thunderstorms and also temperatures a little bit closer to seasonal, but still staying on the mild side for this time of year. In our long-term forecast, the chances are good, especially early on. The temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas will be warmer than normal early next week on into September 25th. Now, daytime highs in central Nebraska during that time period usually warm to the mid to upper 70s with overnight lows starting to average in the upper 40s as we get into the late part of September here. The long-term predicts above normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through the 25th. The weather factors driving market trade include rain from now tropical depression Irma and above normal temperatures for the central U.S. and Canadian prairies. The remnants of Irma will continue to weaken as it drifts towards the lower Mississippi and lower Ohio River areas and will then move towards the southeast Midwest for tomorrow. The heavy rains affected some key growing areas of cotton and peanuts. A slow recovery is possible since there does not appear to be another significant risk for heavy rain through this time of year, but it does bear some watching. In Florida, there will likely be significant losses to unharvested citrus fruits, sugar cane, and vegetables. There will be a warming trend across the central and eastern U.S. over the next few days. Much cooler weather will overtake the west. Significant rain expected later in the week across the northern plains and much of the west. That will help to aid in the finding of wildfires towards the northwest. One to four inches of rain could fall in drought-stricken areas of the northern plains. That rain, though, coming at an unfavorable time for the maturing crops and also harvest underway. Conditions in the Midwest remain favorable for maturing and filling crops and no damaging cold expected in the next 10 days. All right. I was a little concerned when I looked at that <laughs> Thursday forecast and it talked about the possibility of some hail. Yeah, but there is that chance of some severe weather. Probably not going to be a widespread severe outbreak, but if we do see some thunderstorms, especially with this afternoon heating that we're going to see uh, and some low pressure in the vicinity, don't can't rule it out completely. All right. Approaching 80 degrees in central Nebraska right now. 
so we hope that you have yourself all set up with everything you need. If you need a little water during these warm days, make sure you stop by the Rural Radio Network studios. We're right there on Main Street at Husker Harvest Days. And when see, you- of course, see us broadcasting there, too. I'll be doing this from oh, right. Husker Harvest Days tomorrow, too, so you can stop by and watch us all do our thing. Meet Paul Perkins. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's the only guy here who doesn't have a face for radio. <laughs> and when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Well, welcome back to our coverage of the 2017 Husker Harvest Days. Of course, we're celebrating 40 years of the annual event. It's a beautiful day out here at the show, as now we catch up with the Nebraska FFA Foundation Executive Director, Stacy Agnew. Stacy, you have an upcoming auction happening tomorrow. Tell us more about that. Yes, we do. We have our annual Titan Tire Auction, and this year we have a large amount of tires that are available to bid on live. Um, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, we'll be at the Titan Goodyear Graham Tire booth, which is lot 628 on 6th Street, and that starts at 11 o'clock tomorrow. And this is an annual event. This is not the first year you've been doing this. Yeah, this is the fourth year that we've that uh, we've done this, and uh, Titan Tire donates farm tires. There's a a lot of different kinds from farm utility to tractor to gator tires, ATV tires. Um, So those are all donated and so you can come and bid on those and would just love to have a, a large crowd there help raise money to support FFA Nebraska. Well, one of the special sides of this year's event is the online portion, where you're not only auctioning off a gator, but some additional tires. Right. Talk about the online portion. Yeah, we're really excited. Our partnership with Big Iron um, has helped us to go online, and so individuals can go online now to BigIron.com, and they can bid on all the tires that will be on the live auction tomorrow, as well as a 2016 John Deere Gator. And we're really excited about Titan's donation of LSW Extreme Flotation Tires. Those are valued at over $20,000. The Gator is valued at nearly uh, $12,000. And so uh, we have some statewide John Deere dealers that have contributed to that Gator that's online. So again, people can just go online to BigIron.com and they can uh, bid on any of the tires as well as the Gator. And all of those proceeds are going back to the FFA Foundation right. here in Nebraska. Right. Stacy, talk about what that money is going to, where it's uh, benefiting students at. Right. So... Our job on the FFA Foundation is to financially support 8,000 FFA members, nearly 200 ag teachers, and 185 programs across the state. So these are general funds that come in that go to support programming all the way from uh, local programming to statewide program that we support with the Nebraska FFA Association that impacts those 8,000 FFA members. And FFA in Nebraska has been growing, well, not only in Nebraska, but uh, across the Midwest and across the nation. Talk about that growth here in Nebraska. Yeah, we're really excited about the growth. Just in the last five years, we've had... uh, 
over 40 new agricultural education programs start, and that's pretty significant because that means we're making an impact in educating more people, more kids, and preparing them for careers in agriculture, which we know there's a huge demand for. And there's been some updates on the foundation side as well. Talk about the, the foundation as it grows. Yes, the foundation um, continues to grow. We uh, se have secured more funds every year. This year we're really excited. We've actually started a local grant program and we'll continue to um, give chapters direct opportunities to apply for funds for special projects. As well as we continue to do the I Believe in the Future of Ag campaign where local donors can go online to make contributions to support their local FFA. And then we have matching dollars, 35000 on top of that. So, yes, great programs. We're helping kids as much as we can. Very good. That was Stacy Agnew, Executive Director of the Nebraska FFA Foundation. Of course, you can learn more by heading out to the auction tomorrow. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. On our program today, we'll talk about the people a farm leader can count on with Dean Hefta, Director with Water Street Solutions. First question, Dean, where can the farm leader look for that support? Well, in farming, as in our lives in general, we, we all know it's important to be able to count on people to be there for us. No matter how independent we are, none of us can really be a lone ranger or completely self-sufficient. We might think of a, a spouse or a family member, you know, whether they're working with us or on the farm with us each day or off the farm, we, we count on them. So here's another way to think about it. Consider the tasks on the farm that bring up even safety risks. Maybe you assign someone else to go along with the person to be responsible for the task. That could be to assist or simply be there, ready to call for help if, if you need to. And having that person there and not trying to go it alone could literally be a lifesaver in some cases. And when it comes to our farm business, sometimes another person's perspective can help us remember what we really want, what our main goals are for the operation, so we can continue to make those decisions that really align with that. And that can really make a difference for the farm success. Who might some of those trusted people be? Well, you know, there's really, I think, three categories of people that come to my mind. First is your family. Uh, in general, most of us can really rely on our family members to be there for us. Uh, even if they're not a part of the day-to-day -day operation, we can always work to further improve, you know, how that communication is that we have with our family members. And that can strengthen the bonds that we have with them or even bring more commitment and dedication from those relationships when you ask for insight and you ask for that type of perspective. Next, I think um, I think farm employees. You you want to build an employee team that really cares about the farm operation and its success. And employees that care like this typically, you know, kind of work in a way that they they've got your back. And think about a strong farm employee. They want the farm to succeed. And seeking their input and getting them to work in a way that really uh, aligns with farm success is important. It brings that higher level of attention to detail when you've got those people that are really engaged in the farm. And, you know, the employees that are working with that mindset aren't there just for a paycheck. They, they really do want to make a difference. We're talking with Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions. You mentioned two of the groups. What's the third? Well, I think you can also look to advisors that you have that understand the farm. They have an outside perspective. So as farming has become more complex, more business-oriented, a lot of farms have really found it important to, to bring coaches or advisors to the table to give a different perspective. And, you know, find out, you know, how willing are they to get to know you, to get to know your operation, uh, the goals that you have, 
And they need to spend time really getting a clear understanding of what you have going on in your situation and bring that perspective to the table so that they're bringing value. If they're not willing to do this with you and, and keep your best interests in mind, they're probably not the right advisor for the operation. So spend time thinking about this and asking yourself, of these areas above, what are the main people that I can get support from and, and rely on? And, you know, as you think about your team of advisors, you can give our advisors a call. There's people that we know in the business that that's what they do. They give perspective. And, you know, you want to get a different perspective. I even have a podcast that talks about those business skills called Modern Farm Business. And every week we, we get some insight into some aspect of the business. So if you have more questions about this or any other topic, go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. Today we've talked about the people a farm leader can count on with Dean Hefta, Director with Water Street Solutions. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Nebraska football coach Mike Riley's contract has been extended by one year through the 2020 season. It's believed his salary will stay the same at about $2.9 million a year. Now, apparently, Riley meant it when he said in the preseason that he wanted to have one of his top three running backs do most of the work. Through two games, Trey Bryant has 51 carries, Mikhail Wilbon has five, and Divina Zigbo is yet to play. The issue is, however, Brian hurt his knee against Oregon, and it could be midweek until his status for this week's game against Northern Illinois is known. Because of that fact, Riley announced yesterday that freshman Jalen Bradley is now in the mix. Jalen Bradley uh, will move on to special teams and play this week. Jalen Bradley will train as the as the as one of the running backs for this week. Now, Bryant can't play. Wilbon would make his first career start. Kickoff on Saturday against Northern Illinois set for 11 o'clock Central Time. Trevor Simeon tossed a couple of touchdown passes and ran for another as the Broncos held off the Chargers 24-21. Denver actually led a 24-7 lead with 10 minutes to go slip away and had to hold off a furious Chargers comeback. Shelby Harris deflected a 44-yard field goal attempt with a second left. Now San Diego had nailed the kick moments earlier, but Denver coach Vance Joseph called timeout before the snap to ice the kicker. While his team didn't play the best in the fourth quarter, Joseph says he'll enjoy this one. It's good to win. It, you know, it wasn't it wasn't clean, but it's good to win. It, it, it's a, it's a hard league. You know, every week is going to be a challenge. So a win's a win. We'll take it. The other game last night, the Vikings renewed acquaintances with Adrian Peterson, but they didn't allow him to do a whole lot of damage. Sam Bradford was very good for Minnesota, completing 27 of 32 passes for 346 yards and three TDs. As the Vikings whipped the Saints 29 and 19 for Peterson. He did very little against his former team. He carried just six times for 18 yards. Cleveland goes for its 20th consecutive victory in a game against Detroit, a mark that would match the 2002 Moneyball Athletics for the best streak this century. Corey Kluber's 3-0 during this run, including a 13-strikeout effort against the White Sox last Thursday. The Indians are approaching the record 26-game mark, which was set by the 1916 New York Giants. And in conjunction with Major League Baseball, the Royals have announced their 2018 regular season schedule. Opening day is scheduled for Thursday, March 29th, at Kauffman Stadium when they take on the Chicago White Sox. That begins the season at home for the third time for the Royals in the last four years. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clear skies and a forecast for tonight with lows around 60. I'm Dave Schroeder. 
A state senator from western Nebraska is seeking a second term in the legislature. Senator Dan Hughes of Venango announced his candidacy. He was first elected in 2014 to represent an area that includes 10 southwest Nebraska counties. Hughes serves as chair of the legislature's Natural Resources Committee and was chosen to sit on a special justice system oversight committee. He's also worked on issues related to water, hazing, and county bridges. He says that if elected, he will continue to push for lower property taxes. Hughes is a member of the Nebraska Wheat Growers Association, Nebraska Cattlemen, Nebraska Farm Bureau, and other professional organizations. He's a registered Republican in the officially nonpartisan seat. Going back in history to a simpler time is as easy as attending the Nebraska State Cornhusking Competition this Saturday at the Jim and John Hecox Farm south of Gothenburg. Shannon Peterson chairs the Gothenburg Ag Committee and says there are many activities including the Harvest Festival Parade at 10 a.m. and the Cornhusking Contest in the afternoon. You know, we have some older guys out there that they are absolutely amazing to watch. It just pretty much blows your mind how much corn that those guys can pick. And that's what's really fun about this too is anybody can compete in this. We have all sorts of different divisions. Even if they've never done it before, we have a novice division that they can come out there's always people out there willing to help teach you how to do it, and then you can give it a try and try it yourself. A former county treasurer in northwest Nebraska has been fined $900 and given a year of probation for official misconduct. 65-year-old Barb Sebesta was also ordered to perform 40 hours of community service and pay $546 restitution to the city of Shadron. Records say Sebesta pleaded no contest to three misdemeanor counts after prosecutors dropped three more misconduct counts and one of forgery. A state audit had alleged Sebesta altered a check written by a taxpayer. Sebesta has said she was trying to clarify the proper amount for a bank. She also was accused of twice failing to collect sales tax and failing to maintain trust balances in a timely fashion. She resigned her Dawes County post in July. Hard red winter wheat exports are flowing again from Kansas and other central states to the battered Gulf Coast for shipment overseas. Industry experts say grain export facilities suffered little damage from Hurricane Harvey, but the railroad tracks that moved wheat were more damaged by the storm. Most lines have since been inspected and repaired. We want your news, video, and photos. Tip us under the News tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. We're back broadcasting live from Husker Harvest Days here at the Rural Radio Network Broadcast Center. I'm Joe Gangwish, joined as we always like to do every year, get an update from the Nebraska Bankers Association. We have Richard Bayer with us, President and CEO of NBA. Chris Hollick is here. She's a chairman. She's from Cornerstone Bank in York. And also Dave Dinell is here, Chairman-elect from Loomis. So, guys, well, let me, Richard, let me start with you. Tell us about why being out at Husker Harvest Days. Why do you like to be out here? Well, we do a lot of things. We try and reach out, and uh, obviously, as you recognize, we have 187 bank members across the state, and most of them concentrate in ag lending. So it's important for us to get out and meet with our customers and represent the industry. Yeah. Dave, I wanted to ask you, maybe the current climate in agriculture right now, when we spoke a year ago, you know, things weren't that good. You know, we're kind of in that same climate right now. So talk about uh, continuing to engage with your uh, ag customers. 
Well, Joe, you're exactly right, because the climate is uh, very similar to what we were experiencing a year ago. Uh, we're, we're, we're certainly in a, in a down period of time in agriculture, uh, particularly on the grain commodity side. Uh, and certainly with the cost of production and the things like that that our customers are looking at, it's, it's a very important time for uh, producers to be engaged directly with their lender to work out plans with their lender that, that uh, are realistic and uh, to produce cash flow are, are accurate and that they're staying on top of. The market could certainly help with that job a little bit and certainly days like today don't help when you see corn and beans down like they are and uh, you know and the, the biggest thing I've noticed in the last two years is the opportunities to market are short-lived and so guys need to have good marketing plans put together and be ready to act when they hit certain price points and, and trigger their sales accordingly. Yeah. Chris, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the uh it's the Ag Bankers Internship Program, and I understand that you've got quite some experience with that. Tell us about it and how people can become involved. Yes, it's, it's a great program for uh, the bankers and also the students that come, come through as a, on the internship. We partner with the University of Nebraska and Lincoln through their Ag Business Program, and um, we've been doing it now for 12 years. This last summer, they, they work for the bankers for about eight weeks each summer and learn everything about uh, working in a bank. But last year we had about 11 students go through the program, and but it's been as much as you know 15 or 16 students. Personally, with uh, Cornerstone Bank, and I know this is true of a lot of banks, we've hired a lot of those interns after they've graduated. So it's really great for us to get to know the students, and it gets them some really great experience. Uh, we're always looking for good um, young people, good egg and egg lenders, and, and other parts of the banking industry. This is a question for any of you. Is it good to see the influx of young people into the banking industry? Yeah, it, it really is. And we, um, we see a lot of young bankers and come through, and we love hiring the young bankers. And we have a program through the MBA that we call it YBON, Young Bankers of Nebraska. And so we um, try to get them all um, familiar with all aspects of banking. So we really do know we need to bring up the, the young people and give them that experience. How's the chairmanship been for you this past year? Yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been a great learning experience for me. Um, we, you know, just traveling the state, meeting uh, bankers that you know you haven't met before, but and in all areas of the state. So in a couple weeks, we're starting on our two-week tour again, and we start in Scotts Bluff and work our way back and, and hit um, as many bankers as we can. Yeah. Dave, are you excited for the coming year? Tell us what you're looking forward to. Oh, absolutely. Certainly, I, I'm very humbled to have been elected to this position. I, I've enjoyed my time with Chris thus far so much. And, uh, you know, being associated with the NBA, one of the top associations in the United States that represent bank associations. Um, this coming year, just uh, really looking forward to it here in a couple weeks when we, when we go out and do what we call our area bank meetings, where we go to different parts of the state and have meetings with uh, local bankers as well as the, the local state senators from those areas and getting to, to go to parts of the state that I've maybe not spent as much time. Yeah. Richard, uh, let's maybe start to wrap things up a little bit. You, you mentioned you just had your convention here not too long ago. What were some of the hotter topics and, and what are people talking about? Maybe uh, not just uh, ag customers but, but all of uh, Nebraskans. 
You bet. Especially on the ag side. We just finished up last week with our uh, uh, annual agribusiness conference. We had about 229 ag lenders in Lincoln. Spent a couple of days with us uh, talking about market trends, talking about technology, uh, things as how do you track the weather. Uh, Dave Cole, who is always a favorite of us uh, from Virginia Tech, is always with us to talk about ag credit and ag finance. Uh, I would tell you we had an awful lot of young people there. I would guess the audience was probably half of them were under 35. Uh, so it was a nice opportunity for us to begin to trend and, number one, form connections, but also, number two, to really educate those young ag lenders about dealing with challenging times like we're having right now. Yeah. And is it a challenge for you, too, to, to stay abreast of, of everything that's new and everything that's changing? It seems like ag changes so fast now. Uh, ag changes. A lot of things change. We, you know, we kind of have an avalanche of regulation, which uh, has occurred since Dodd-Frank in the 07 and 08 time frame. Much of that we've had to learn how to deal with, and it's really not been great for the banks, and it's really not been good for the consumers, yeah. but we'll work our way through it. Yeah. All right. Once again, for any of you, for the ag listeners we have out there, what's your advice to them here in the coming year? You know, ag producers are very resilient. They've been through these times before. Uh, Agriculture is a very cyclical business. That's, that's nothing new to anyone, and for those that have been around long enough, they've been through it many times. The advice is just... Uh, I guess primarily to, to, to talk, touch on a question you asked earlier is if they, if they do need credit in times like this, uh, they need a closer relationship there to make sure both are on the same page. Right. Thanks, guys. It's been great to have you in the building. Thank, Thank you, Joe. Thank yep. you. That was uh, Dave Dinell. He's chairman-elect for the Nebraska Bankers coming up. Also, Chris Hollick, current chair for the Nebraska Bankers, and Richard Bayer, president and CEO of NBA, all coming to you from the Rural Radio Network Broadcast Center at Husker Harvest Days. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. Next, we talk with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. And Joe, give us an assessment of this cattle and hog futures market today. Well, how about uh, one word, down? Uh, cattle uh, down uh, fairly sharply and same way with the hogs. The feeders were uh, most likely the uh, winners of the day, mainly because of the uh, grain that uh, after the uh, report uh, plummeted, but now uh, are rebounding a bit and not quite uh, they're well off their lows now. But uh, anyhow, the uh, cattle uh, kind of suffering from uh, weak undertones to the cash and weak undertones to the uh, cutouts. And uh, it, it's uh, hitting home, uh, I guess, and uh, we're seeing uh, the market slump today, finishing with a couple of uh, triple down, triple digit down in the uh, the decent February cattle. The like I said, the feeder cattle not uh, down much, just off uh, slightly. And I think mainly due to the uh, grains. The uh, feeders have been uh, moving pretty well uh, at the auctions at higher money. So uh, some optimism uh, in with the feeders. But uh, uh, today uh, just saw kind of a follow through uh, to the uh, cattle, and they followed uh, down right there at the end of the day. Over in the uh, hogs, ooh, cash, under some pressure again, cutouts under some pressure, and uh, there uh, lies the uh, answer. We had triple-digit losses out of the uh, nearby October and December, so not a good finish for the day for all the bulls. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson reporting. 
Shaylee Peters back with you here at Husker Harvest Days. And I've got Tony Johansson. He's the chairman of the Nebraska Soybean Board with me. And uh, trade's a big deal, Tony. And so we're going to talk about that to start off with. There's been a lot of news as far as, as you guys and trade is concerned. What can you tell us? Well, the Nebraska Soybean Board is very involved with trade partners. Uh, as a lot of people know, about three out of every five rows of soybeans planted in our state of Nebraska end up in an export market. So trade with our uh, buyers across these is a very critical point of and a very big initiative with the Nebraska Soybean Board. We will host trade teams from other countries, uh, specifically China, the Philippines, uh, Japan, and in turn, we'll actually have them come back to the Nebraska side and get a see walk through the soybean fields and know where their products come from. Because we always talk about sustainability is a big deal. We want to be able to produce a product that we know that our end users are going to have a value to. Well, and speaking of uh, hosting people here last month, the middle of last month, we had representatives over here in the States, pretty big group that you guys helped with and took out to some of those fields here in Nebraska. Yeah, uh, the middle of August, we had the United States Soybean Global Trade Exchange held in Omaha. Uh, it's the fifth year we've actually had this event, but the first year we actually had it in Nebraska. So we had roughly 160 people come into Omaha and spend a couple days with us uh, learning about our uh, trade partners, what we do for transportation. And then we got to take them out to UNL ARDC uh, facility in Mead go through that, show them what the University of Nebraska Lincoln is doing to try to uh, increase the quality of our soybeans through oils uh, and through the soybean meal processes. Uh, we got to take them out to our couple of farms as well. We have a couple of board members that hosted these trade uh, delegates and they got to kind of go through and see what actually occurs on a Nebraska soybean producer's farm. And these things are important because it really highlights and shows producers what their checkoff dollar is doing. Yeah, everyone wants to know what value are we bringing back to them. And uh, when we talk about trade and uh, even our biodiesel industries, we got to be able to bring a value back to the producers. Uh, for example, when we're talking about biodiesel, roughly 63 cents uh, worth your uh, commodity prices due directly to the impact that biodiesel has. Um, trade, about 74 cents of every bushel is directly related to us working with our trade partners. Well, and uh, today is very timely. Of course, we had that WASDE report released. So even more of an emphasis on the importance of trade on those exports. Oh, yeah. If we don't have those relationships that we build with our end users, we really don't have a market for them. There's always a big push with uh, Brazil and Argentina. There are main competitors are trying to get U.S. soybeans out to those markets such as China, Japan. Um, being able to get them out to those end users for the oil and for a meal with our uh, animal ag sectors. Well, and quickly here, Husker Harvest Days, we're into the first day now. Absolutely beautiful weather out here. If somebody is out and about wanting to visit with you guys about some of these things, where can they find you at Husker Harvest Well, Days? they can find us really close to the main entrance at the uh, Commodity Building, just uh, to the west side of the Asgard Taub tent. Stop on in and come see us. All right. Thanks so much. It's Tony Johansson. He's chairman of the Nebraska Soybean Board out here at Husker Harvest Days talking trade and checkoff. You can find them here all three days. For the Rural Radio Network, live from Husker Harvest Days, I'm Shaylee Peters. 
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Initial reaction from USDA's World Agricultural Supply Demand Estimates, very negative on corn and soybeans and a little bit on wheat, but we didn't close on those lows. In fact, we rebounded in wheat, John. Yeah, really good day. I think you got to be pretty optimistic here, and I understand the yield numbers. That's going to be the, the, the conversation here at the coffee shop today, and it certainly is arguable. I'm not, uh, you know, in the camp of believes we're close to these numbers, but the carryout fell. So you got to focus on demand. I think the, the fact that demand is as strong as it is really shows you that prices are suitable uh, as far as where they are. It's say making lows, but, you know, breaks are going to see increased demand. I doubt you're going to see a lot of uh, supply rationing on those. So it's, uh, you know, I think the, the yield numbers are certainly something that, that the trade likes to, to trade, but, again, that carryout number has to be in the focus here. And the fact that we came down on a yield hike like this should give us some some good feelings as far as buying this break. I, I don't really like being long here. Um, the, the 2018 contract seems a little too high to me, but the, the, the spreads have really priced a lot of this weakness in. And, uh, you know, looking at wheat, wheat the way it traded today, uh, even in the face of bad news, I think, I think there's some upside here that uh, folks aren't seeing. Well, and then let's look at that weak dollar. That has to be a little bit of a plus. That's, I mean, that's probably the main reason why the 18 market is hanging in. I mean, we're 393. You know, a year ago, with the same carryout numbers at the same exact time, we were down at 360. So, the, you know, I think there's a, there's an outlook here that the U.S. crop is still going to be in demand. Um, I think the biggest lesson folks need to take from this stuff is look at the carry markets. Uh, it's not so much the case in beans, but in wheat and corn. Don't feel that you have to make a sale the day you move the physical grain. Uh, you're going to get your better prices by selling it early and holding on to it. If you have on-farm storage, and I don't know everybody, I know everybody who doesn't, so I'm not trying to, to pigeonhole everybody in the same argument here. But if you have on-farm storage and you see this July contract for next year trade upwards of four dollars, four ten, you that you got to look at take that. That that's a market to to sell. You know, you hold on to the physical if you've got the on-farm storage, but use it, hedge off of it, and I think that's where you're going to get better prices. Carry out the same way as it was a year ago. We're going to see rallies in 20. 2018. I'm very confident of that. You just got to be ready to move it when it's there. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com or call them direct at 866-825-8561. Corn, soybeans lower today. Winter wheat futures were higher. Dewey Nelson reporting. <laughs> 